Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of Partisan Bites. My name is Nick, and uh, this is your stop for top news and commentary of the week, brought to you in bite-sized form. First off, I'm recording this Thursday morning, and it's just not being reported that uh, Chester Bennington, who is the lead singer of the band Linkin Park, apparently committed suicide at a private residence in California this morning. He's the uh, the, the father of six battled alcohol and, and drug abuse problems at various times throughout his life, and and uh, as of this time, it, very little information has been released, so they're not really sure what role anything played in in his apparent suicide. I'm not I'm not sure if it's a coincidence or not, but today is also the birthday of his good friend uh, Chris Cornell, that uh, that hanged himself back in back in May. This is just another case that proves once again that no matter how much money and fame you have, depression is a disease that can affect anyone. And we as a society need to do a much better job at, at helping these people get the help that they need and to continue to destigmatize depression and other mental health problems. And it seems like a problem that's getting worse. It's not something that we're doing that we're doing a better job at at helping people in need. You know, obviously we can't help everyone, but there are suicide hotline numbers out there. There are people you can talk to if you feel that you have a problem. If you feel like you're you're in a dire, desperate situation, reach out and talk to somebody. Try to get help. You know, the only people that really get hurt by by suicide are the people that are left behind, the family members. Um, you know, he had six kids that are gonna have to grow up without their father now, and uh, you know, it's just a sad situation overall. And unfortunately, it's one that that is preventable. Like I said, if you're having a problem, if you know somebody that's in a deep depression, reach out to them. Help them. Reach out to somebody that can help them. Also on the news this week, it was reported Wednesday that uh, Senator John McCain was diagnosed with a glioblastoma uh, after a procedure um, to remove a blood clot from above his left eye. This incredibly aggressive, actually I believe it's the most aggressive form of brain cancer, is, is very difficult to treat and typically life expectancy after diagnosis is around one to three years. What makes it so hard to treat is that the cancer spreads deep into the brain and can leave tiny microscopic pieces that can regrow and, and, and will cause the cancer to continue to spread. I know scans completed since Friday indicate that doctors were able to, to remove all the tumor tissue that they could see in the 80-year-old senator's brain. But like I said, the, the micro, those microscopic pieces could remain and continue to grow, so he will you know he's going to undergo chemo and radiation treatments um, to further attack whatever's left. But despite maximum treatment, the cancer usually reoccurs. The most common length of survival following diagnosis is typically about uh, 12 to 15 months, with fewer than 3 to 5% of people surviving longer than 5 years. But without treatment, survival is about 3 months. So it's something that really, it's really hard to to catch because the, the common symptoms can include headaches, memory loss, changes in personality, um, but the the symptoms produced depends really on on, on where the location of the tumor is on the on the brain. Um, so it's really hard to to nail down a set pattern of, of of symptoms. So it's really hard to a lot of times that this this form of cancer isn't caught until it's very late in the in the process. You know, but but John McCain he's a he's a decorated Vietnam War veteran. Um, who has proudly served not only Arizona but this country as a whole for decades, and uh, 
and many times he's been a voice of sanity in a lot of situations in, from the Republican Party. Um, so hopefully Senator McCain can, can beat the odds and continue to serve um, and be a productive member of Congress. I know a lot of people, at least on the Democratic side, um, have issue with him because you know he picked Sarah Palin as a running mate in 2008. But that aside, you know he, he tends to be the, the voice of bringing the parties together to solve big issues and and it would really be a shame for this country to lose a great individual like that to something so terrible so i just pray that uh that he makes a healthy recovery and he's able to beat these these terrible odds lastly today today is the six month anniversary of president trump taking office and just looking at the numbers my big question is what has he accomplished what have the Republicans accomplished in these first six months, but what is their long-term, what are their long-term goals? The president has signed 42 pieces of legislation, including 19 resolutions and only 23 laws, but zero major pieces of legislation that, that, that he had touted on the campaign trail and that Republicans have been pushing for the past, oh, eight to 10 years. He has withdrawn the U.S. from two major international agreements. Uh, shortly after taking office, the president opted out of the, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. There was wide acceptance of, of that move um, from across the aisle. Both Republicans and Democrats, I think, had issues with, with TPP, a tra- another large trade agreement that the U.S. were going to enter into. But several months later, he also removed the U.S. from the Paris Climate Change Agreement, which I think overall, globally, has a much bigger impact Um it's going to be really tough for him to leave the the agreement prior to late 2020. Um, so if for some reason Trump does not win re-election, the incoming president could move to stay in that agreement. So it's not really the the agreement's not dead yet. Um, the only way, the only way to pull the U.S. out of out of this agreement prior to 2020 would be to to basically to pull out the framework out of the UN. Which would basically, which would pretty much pull the the rug out from underneath the the entire accord. But so far, President Trump hasn't signaled that he intends to do something that drastic. So it looks like he's going to probably leave this um, leave this in place until 2020, and then hopefully he's hoping that he wins re-election and he can end the the climate change accord. Additionally, I know this isn't really policy wise, but from from January 20th, when he took office until Tuesday of this week, um, the president has sent out a total of 991 tweets, um, 46 mentioning jobs, 22 mentioning Hillary Clinton, um, 82 of them have been about fake news or fake media of some kind, um, 36 regarding former President Obama, and 45 about Obamacare. I know I've had my issues with social media before in the past, um, but I think that it can be a an effective tool for a president um, to really bring the country around central ideas, um, to really rally support. I know that Trump has not been a big proponent of of holding rallies since uh, since he's took office. I know he has done some. Um, he's done much fewer than other presidents have at this point, but I, I think Twitter, I think that he can use Twitter in a much more effective way. 
like I said, to, to bring the country around um, ideas. And he doesn't, it seems like he, and it seems like most of his tweets are the complete opposite. And that kind of brings me back to, to what I originally said at the beginning of this part, which was, you know, what are the long-term goals of this administration? What steps are they taking to create um, a better tomorrow for the country, and not only the country, but the, the world overall? Um, it seems that this administration is more interested in engaging in petty fights, creating arguments with the media, attempting to get our society in whole to, to not believe the media, than actually governing this great country. And a side note on the media, real quick, the, the media needs to stop playing into this narrative. I know because over the past 30 or so years, I've, I've noticed that a lot of people in the media have a thin skin and they need to change that because anytime that Trump makes some kind of comment about someone in the news or a news network, it seems like the network automatically comes back and, and, and retaliates against the president. And all that does is it feeds into his story. What the media needs to do is focus on the topic at hand and leave the rest of the noise alone. And I know that's really hard to do for the media, but if they don't get out of this petty fight with the president every single day, they're the ones that are going to lose. But unfortunately, it's not just the networks that are going to lose. It's the country in whole. Because without a strong media, we lose a big part of the checks and balances process on the government. Without the media, what would have happened to Nixon? Obviously, he would have stayed in office. He would have never resigned. Who knows what that could have led to. But fortunately for our, for our country, we had a strong media at the time. And they continued to go after the story. So, and that, so that's what the media needs to do now. But back to this administration. I was one of those people early on that said, hey, look, let's give the president a chance. Let's see what he can do. Maybe he would be more aligned with the centrist that he had been for much of his life. But unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going that way. Um, it seems like the only thing he's interested in is, is making more money for his family, making more money for his friends, and not helping our country. I know that they've touted and one of the, his, his achievements during his first six months are all the regulations he's cut. But these are regulations that help keep pollution out of our water, pollution out of the environment, keep our food clean, our water clean, the, the things that we need for survival. These are the regulations they're cutting, not in the interest to help society, but in the interest to make the companies that back him more money. And the Republicans always talk about these special interest groups that that they claim the Democrats listen to more than, than their constituents. But I, I believe it's a complete opposite. The Republicans say these things to to distract the country from what they're really doing. And and I think it's a, a, a large disservice to the country and it's dangerous. And hopefully in the elections next year, the Hopefully the Democrats can can put some quality um, candidates out there that have real ideas that are better at getting their message out there and getting support behind them and uh, and taking some of that power back and really changing this country for the good. But we'll, we'll have to see where that goes. Um, as always, you can uh, 
You can email questions and comments to partisanbytes at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter, on Facebook. Uh, we use the same handles as, as our Life in General. So it's uh, Twitter is uh, Life in General MI, and then, uh, and then Facebook is Life in General Podcast. Um, check us out on there. Check us out on our website. You can always check out our latest episodes of this podcast and our other podcast, Life in General. Um, our website is lifeingeneralpodcast.com. There's a Parts and Bites page on there that uh, they can check out. And you can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. Well, until next time, see you guys. goes out